You're listening to The Gateway Church. For more information, please go online to thegatewaychurch.com. Good morning. If we haven't met, I'm Tom, and I get to share God's Word with you uh, this morning. As we continue on in this series on the Psalms of Ascent, and uh, they're called that because one of the reasons is during the three festivals held in Jerusalem every year, everyone that could would journey to Jerusalem for the festival. And topographically, Jerusalem sits, it's the highest city, so the journey was an ascent, it was a climb. And these Psalms, verse, uh, chapters 120 through 134, these 15, uh, provide an amazing framework for living a Godward life. It starts at the very beginning at Psalm 120 that simply to turn away from the falsehoods of this world and everything that it offers and take a step towards God. In Psalm 121, it encourages to remember God's ways, not turn to the wisdom of this world and to keep journeying towards him. Psalm 122 reminded us that we are purpose-built to walk together and not apart, especially when we don't feel like walking together. Psalm 123 reminds us to look to God and be a merciful servant and, yes, keep going. Aren't you glad that these psalms encourage us to keep going? Anyone here need encouragement to keep going? Yeah, I do. And then Psalm 124 is to not forget and always remember that God is with you no matter what. And now we turn our attention to Psalm 125 in the sixth message in this series. And it's all about something that every one of us wrestles with in life, and that is insecurities. Whether it's due to our background in life, our upbringing, our personality, just the culmination of our life's experiences, there isn't anybody on the face of the earth that doesn't sometime or some way feel insecure. And beyond our individual insecurities, there's also society-wide insecurities, filling the news, shootings, Riots, wars, storms, earthquakes, aftershocks, tsunamis, the Far East, Middle East, Near East, political turmoil, economic turbulence, the election cycle, and it seems there's more and more of this shared insecurities every single day. So it's a challenge, personally and collectively, to stay and be grounded, to feel secure. How do you find that sense of ease and poise inside yourself? Not blindly ignoring legitimate dangers or covering up our securities with some kind of bravado and pride, but instead to have genuine, durable, real confidence in the face of so many things that normally would end up causing us to be so deeply 
insecure. This psalm describes people who are deeply secure in a panic-inducing real word world. <clears throat> that they, quote, trust in the Lord and are, quote, like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever in verse 1, and in the midst of real wickedness in verse 3. <clears throat> it, but it's so easy to read these words and merely think, that sounds great, but is it true? Most pr probably. Read Psalm 125 and consign its message too often we can, we can consign it to feel-good Sunday rather than real-world Monday. Filled with the business of life, politics, heartache, and drama. We need something far more solid in the face of these things than just being told to trust God you know, solid stuff that we reflexively turn to, solid stuff like money or armies or walls. Solid, like the Great Wall of China. Anybody been there? Anybody seen the Great Wall of China? Well, they, uh, purportedly, you could see it from outer space. You really can't, but you can see it on Google Earth. Uh, it's thousands of miles long. It's 30 feet high. It's 18 feet thick. And it was built to keep the neighbor's dog out. No, it, it was built as security against the northern invading armies and hordes. And it's a massive thing. It's jaw-dropping when you, when you see it and, and up super steep, mountainsides and down and it's you know all these thousands of years old and still very uh, uh, structurally integrated and strong and impenetrable and as impressive as it was the wall was breached not by physically breaking down the wall but by greed the Mongols got past it simply by bribing the gatekeepers Google it. It's a great story. Because a wall is only as strong as the people protecting it. An economy is only as strong as the people working in it. A business is only as strong as its workforce. An army is only as strong as its soldiers. We can build walls. Build walls to protect us, to keep certain people in or certain people out. But walls are only as strong or as weak as the human beings that guard them. One bribe, and it opened up. And this tells us that our strength comes from whom we trust. Those who trust in the Lord, verse 1 says, are like Mount Zion. Those people who trust God are truly strong because their strength is not their own. They have resources beyond the human. 
those who trust in God are as strong as Mount Zion because, quote, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm is telling us that the way to find security is by trusting God, and it gives us two reasons why we should trust God. First, trust God because he protects those who trust him. Look at verses 1 and 2, bless you. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, and from this time forth and forevermore. Read it closely, and you're going to see that they are intended to be pictures for us, the word like, similes. Those who trust in the Lord are like. The Psalms help us with these pictures to fuse both the rational and the emotional in our relationship with God. Very often, through using vivid pictures, vivid verbal pictures, vivid picture language to to help reframe our imaginations that thing inside of us that has the capacity to to perceive more than, to conceive more than we can perceive. Just like TV and video and film leave visual residue in our mind, let the pictures of this psalm fill the gallery of your imagination. Those who trust in the Lord are like, what are they like? They are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. That's what people who trust in the Lord are like. Mount Zion, which lasts forever. What is God like to these people? As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. You can trust God. He protects like the mountains which protect and surround Jerusalem, solid, certain, and immovable. Those who trust him are like Mount Zion, which lasts forever. The temple is on Mount Zion, the central feature of Jerusalem, and it's surrounded then by a number of other mountains, the Mount of Olives, and so on and uh, so forth. And you stand there at the Temple Mount, which I've had privilege to do several times. You stand there, and in 360-degree panorama are these various mountains that the city itself is like this amazing, impenetrable fortress. If you trust God, you're just like that. Trusting God is the safest stronghold imaginable. And you're not, you're not clinging to the crumbling degree of a sinking ship. You're standing on solid ground on the shore. And understand this. It's not your faith or my faith that makes the difference. It's not your faith that it's strong. It's the object of our faith that is strong. The one in whom we trust is anything but fragile. The psalm 
doesn't say that those who trust God are like fresh-cut flowers that last only a few days. The psalm doesn't say that those who trust God are like someone who has a weak immune system and might catch a spiritual cold at any moment. No, the one in whom we trust is a rock, a strong tower, like Mount Zion, surrounded by mountains. Faith is not a leap in the dark. Instead, it's living in a stronghold. This picture is a lot like a screen capture in a video, uh, a scene from an epic movie. Mount Zion is mentioned for the first time here in Psalm 125. From now on, it occurs frequently in the book of Psalms alone. It's in 126, 128, 129, 132, 133, 134. Zion was the fortress mountain citadel that David uh, first captured from the Israelites. Later, it became, uh, or it came to refer to the whole of Jerusalem, Zion, the whole of Jerusalem, and now in the New Testament, to a heavenly Jerusalem, especially in Hebrews and, and Revelation. So this psalm is not just saying those who trust in the Lord are like a mountain. Those people are God's people whose story finishes in a city that lasts forever. For more on that, catch the last message from the Apostles' Creed uh, series. And the psalmist, though, the psalmist didn't have the end of the story when he wrote Psalm 125. Now, neither do we. We don't have the end of the story, but we know more than he did. The psalmist is, is aware of a story that continues because he uses the word forever. These two verses are one freeze frame in the epic movie of God's people. And it's a picture that we can put into practice. How does the picture of Mount Zion, the mountains of Jerusalem, the story that continues throughout the New Testament of God's people, how does it apply to our life practically? As the pilgrim sings this song on her way up to Jerusalem, at times she or he feels insecure because of the dangers involved with travel, ancient travel particularly, and bandits and all the, the stuff that can happen and wild animals and all of that stuff, the, the, the pitfalls, the all of the stuff that can happen. And as this song is also sung by the workers who were rebuilding Jerusalem uh, in the time of Nehemiah after their return from exile, they felt insecure because people threatened to attack them. So we got the stuff that we don't know that might be out there and we have the stuff that we can see coming at us that drives insecurity. The picture of this psalm helped them when they put it into practice and it'll help you when you put it into practice. If you've ever been to a circus. Who's been to a circus? All right, good. Shared understanding. And you watch the trapeze artists up there, death-defying acts. And when the one lets go of the swing, there's a pause between the flyer letting go of the swing and the grasp of her partner. As the flyer lets go, 
she has to hold herself perfectly still, mid-air, and wait, trusting that her partner will catch her. She doesn't try to catch the catcher. She lets go, stays perfectly still, and waits to be caught. What enables that kind of real trust? Where does her trust come from? We don't always get to practice life. When the house burns down, when there's a pink slip in your paycheck, when the expenses exceed the income, when the relationship ends, when you fall off the wagon, when a loved one acts in ways that we just wish they wouldn't, we find ourselves flying. We're in the gap, in the pause in the place in between. In between letting go and being caught. What increases faith, hope, trust, confidence in the real life context of life? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, the word of God, the scriptures. The gap between the flyer letting go and the catcher's grip can either be the most terrifying, insecure place imaginable, or it can be the exciting, exhilarating place, depending on what's going on in your mind, and that depends greatly upon what you fed your soul, whether the insecurities of our culture and the circumstances of life or the absolute certainties of God's word. If it's the latter, the gap between letting go and being caught is more like the simple joy of a child being thrown into the air by an overly exuberant dad. Man, I'm so guilty of that. The day we brought Chelsea home from the hospital, first thing I did, we walked in her house, I threw up in the air, my wife about killed me. You wait till they're older. Yeah, so, good thing she's not, you know, paralyzed or something. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. There's a momentary surprise on the look of the child's face as she soars into the air. And then what? She bursts into laughter just as her father catches her. The picture of the first part of this psalm is intended to help us find security by trusting God through remembering that God protects. He may not protect us from all injury. He may not protect us from all heartache, but he protects us absolutely from all evil. Trust God, the psalm says, first, because God protects. And the second is to trust God because of God's promises. He protects 
and he promises. Listen to verses three to five. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Let's unpack this. The second half of the psalm promises that God will always do what's right. And the promise explains the confidence of the first part of the psalm. This is why what I said about protects is true. And it's found in the fact that he uses the word for at the beginning of verse 3. That shows that the psalm, he's about to explain the previous verse. The promise itself, then, is that the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. There are four reasons of this promise that are the basis for the confidence in the first half of the psalm. Here they are real quick. First, the righteous are confident to let God judge so that the righteous, and it's inferred, do not stretch out their hands to do wrong. In other words, we don't take vengeance into our own hands. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and we trust God to be the judge and not ourselves. Second, the author knows that God will protect those who trust him so he can pray confidently, do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. It's talking about living righteously, by faith, that those who trust in the Lord are the upright in heart, who are good. In other words, their faith shapes their behavior. Third, the author of the psalm realizes that such confidence comes not for his own merits, but from God. Very important. So he's wary of turning away from God. This is where God knows our hearts. It's not, we're not, we don't do the right things in, in order to earn our salvation. We do the right things because of our salvation. Those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. We're going to come, circle back to that. Fourth, on the basis of this promise, God's people are confidently called to be at peace with themselves, their families, and as much as possible, everyone else. Found in the four words, peace be upon Israel and everything it stands for. Now, <clears throat> got to admit, that first part of verse 5 sounds pretty harsh. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with the evildoers. Look, knowing this is part of trusting God. Those who trust him, God will keep secure. Those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the opposite of trusting God, God will lead away, lead away with evildoers. Well, come on, man. Where's the love and grace in that? led away with evildoers. <sighs> Once again, <clears throat> oh, how we wish there was no judgment. We just really want to get around that one. 
the whole judgment thing. I mean, it doesn't work. Don't, don't judge me, man. It's, not, it's, so, it's so antithetical to our culture. But look, without judgment, there can be no sense of right and wrong. And everything then becomes relevant and therefore meaningless. Not only does all the ugly lose its ugliness, all of the beauty loses its loveliness. We need judgment and we need a judge because we need a sense of standard to find equilibrium. And the bad news is we all fail to live up to the standard. And the good news is God knows this. And he's the one who set the standard. He took it upon himself when he became flesh in the form of his son and sent his son to the cross to take the judgment of every time and everything we've ever done that failed to live up to the standard we need. And when we trust in the historic fact of Jesus Christ's life, death, burial and resurrection. He saves us from the sentence that should have been ours as a result of that judgment. And if you want more on that, go back and listen to the message on judgment from the Apostles' Creed. But funny, isn't it? Judgment funny? I don't think so, Tom. Well, the funny part is that we can know that we know this. We can know that we know it down deep in our knower and still forget in the heat of the moment. I mean, how many times have you found yourself having done something, kicking your own behind with the words, What was I thinking? Yeah. So there's always, 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 always the day-to-day need to grow in trusting God amidst each and every storm and the chaos of life when it comes. Here's how you know whether or not you're trusting God in your life. In the midst of your storms, is your life like Mount Zion? Solid, resolute, movable? Or do you find yourself shaken at the whisper of every little wind that suddenly it's going to be the mother of all hurricanes? Wasn't it weird about our culture this past three days how the, the news media has been sort of disappointed the hurricane just didn't demis, you know, destroy everything? You could hear it in, in, the, in their voice. And pray for our friends in the Bahamas. My word, their entire world has been thrown upside down. Well, what's your orientation? Is it here comes the storm, no matter what, trust God? Or is it, oh my word, it's time to freak out? When you're freaking out, you've got to remember the rest of the story. 
The scepter of the wicked, this language in the psalm, may rule for a while over the land allotted to the righteous. What does that mean? That means the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It means that following Jesus is not a free pass from the harsh realities of right, of, of life. But instead, it's hope no matter the realities of life. The scepter may rule, but not forever. So those who trust God secure themselves with the thought that an eternal, non-ending, joyous, just end is one day coming. God will sort it all out. It may not make sense now. And every trial, every lousy incident, every you-know-what sandwich that life has forced you to eat, one day you will be able to thank God for it. Not now. Of course not now. But one day the results, this long term, forever, things will make sense. And we'll be able to celebrate, yes, even our suffering. So those who trust God secure themselves with the thought that that end one day, things will be sorted out. They don't take the law into their own hands. They don't become their own judge. They don't try to become the Holy Spirit. Rather, no matter what, they trust God and they trust in his final vindication of them and therefore internally they are immovable. Resolute, dependable, firm, secure, like a rock, like a mountain with storms of rain lashing against it. Look at Psalm 1. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff with the wind that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Yeah. Instead... Now, this is, this, is a, this is a really an amazing Hebrew language construct. In English, it's pretty weak, but the last part delivers it. Kiss the son, lest he became, become angry, and you perish in the way of his wrath. Is quickly perishing away for his wrath, wrath, for his wrath, wathfully wabbit, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Here it is. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Those who trust God cannot be moved because they are in refuge. Those who trust in him and I know it from your life stories. Your lives have been this amazing testament of the power of faith in God, no matter what life has thrown at you. I'm not saying everybody did everything perfect, or you did, or that, and some of the, the tragedies we go through are self-inflicted. But look around. You're still standing while sitting. What does that mean? 
That means what we're talking about is not merely religion. But it's valid, not, not abstract thought, but validated the experience of people you can talk to today. That's why our culture is falling apart. It has slid off the foundation it has rejected. But not so the pilgrim, and not so you. They trust in God. You can trust in God. They are like Mount Zion. The Lord surrounds them. They are secure. You can have security. They are at peace. You can have peace. Do you need security? Are you aching for peace of mind? Hope in your heart? Turn from the lies and the falsehoods of this world and journey towards God. Remember God's ways and keep on going. We're here to walk together, especially when we don't feel like it. Keep looking to God and be a merciful servant. and Don't stop. Remember he's with you no matter what. Receive the peace more solid than a mountain, peace that passes understanding by trusting what Jesus Christ did upon the cross for you. That's what this is reminding us of. Pilgrims on the way. There's hope no matter what. Doesn't say it'd be easy. Doesn't say the journey stops. Doesn't say you're suddenly transported at the speed of light to the end of the journey. No. But it means you can have what you can't find in a bottle or a pill or a relationship or anything distracting or amusing. Hope. Deep. Abiding. Secure. Solid. Lasting, durable hope. This has been another episode of the Gateway Church Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.